G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. What do you think of when you hear of the idea of a spiritual battle or of spiritual warfare? Well, the Apostle Paul uses some imagery that links followers of Christ to the idea that we are soldiers or that the believer needs to be equipped with the full armor of God. The image of a heavenly conflict between the forces of light and the forces of darkness is quite a common image from the Scriptures. So in this day and age, some are quick to discount the impact of spirituality in the challenges that Christians face on a daily basis. So what might the evidence be that there is a spiritual battle that's going on? And are there such things as spiritual weapons that the people of God have access to in order to overcome the forces of darkness? Well, we're in for a great ride this hour talking about spiritual warfare with Dr. Baruch Corman, who's been teaching the Bible for 30 years. Back in 2013, he began a Bible teaching program in the Hebrew language on cable and satellite television in Israel. And he expanded to English language on numerous television networks across the United States, Europe, Africa, and here in Australia. That program is known as Love Israel. Well, you can view his expository Bible teaching program on the Daystar Network and on God TV, but it is our absolute privilege to have Dr. Baruch Common live with us face-to-face in the studio today. Uh, Dr. Baruch Corman, a special welcome along to 2020. Shalom to you. It's a, a great honor to be with you this morning. Well, Baruch, I know that last year when you were in Australia, we had a conversation and you were on the telephone then, so wonderful to have you face-to-face today. Uh, you are a Bible teacher. You've got a long association with Derek Prince Ministries. Uh, you've got some friends in Australia who are in business and they're supporting uh, the ministry that you're involved in. You're here in Australia and you're going to be speaking at a conference in Sydney this weekend and you're talking around this topic we're going to unpack today, spiritual warfare. Where do we start when we talk about spiritual warfare for the Christian believer? Right now, I think where the state of the church is, that people need to know they're in a spiritual battle. I think many believers really don't understand that concept. They don't understand the stakes. They're not thinking about their calling and what is the objective that a believer has in serving God. We sometimes focus in on what God's supposed to do for us, what we want, rather than realizing that we have been saved to become his servants and part of serving God means we're going to encounter opposition. And our opponent, Satan, is serious about that opposition. And indeed, the Bible calls it a spiritual battle warfare. Let's talk about the idea of kingdom for a few moments, because we know uh, that Jesus came announcing the kingdom of God is here. Uh, His disciples were talking about the kingdom of God. If we're talking about a kingdom here and perhaps a kingdom of light, a kingdom of darkness, how do those two ideas fit together and for us here in 21st century? 
Well, when he mentioned, I mean, the first message both John the Baptist gave and Yeshua, I call him Yeshua, his Hebrew name, we're speaking, of course, about Jesus. Both John and Jesus said their first message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But that doesn't mean that the kingdom now is here. It means be ready for it. We need to remember when Messiah returns the second time. I think last year we were talking about that blessed hope in the rapture. Well, right now, I want to put that to the side. We're talking about his second coming, not when he gathers up the church, but when he returns to the holy city of Jerusalem. He's coming to establish in fullness. Now, we can have a foretaste. We can have the character of the kingdom. We can have the benefit of the kingdom. But that kingdom is not now. That kingdom is going to be established first and foremost when he returns back to Jerusalem to establish it. Let's talk about a battle that Christian believers are in right now. And uh, when we talk about the battle, some will say that's a battle somebody else is fighting. I just like going along to my local church because there are some nice people there and we get a good message from our pastor on Sunday. I'm not so sure about all of this stuff about a spiritual battle. Uh, There is a sense here in which, uh, as I alluded to in my introduction, that we're all in this battle Uh, Some might feel as though or think that they are not in the battle, but what are your thoughts about every believer and whether every believer is in fact part of this battle? Every believer should be part of the battle. If they don't realize that they're in this battle, then they're already being defeated. Now, that doesn't mean that that person has lost their hope or has seen it canceled out, but it means that they're not going to be carrying out God's call. And first and foremost, and when we look biblically, and I'm speaking right now about the New Testament, a believer is supposed to have a testimony. And that's what the enemy is going after. He wants to destroy your testimony, my testimony, that people can't see the fact that God dwells within us by the Holy Spirit. So if someone is just living their lives without any thought of their call about what type of testimony that they're having, how is God being manifested in their life through their speech, through their behavior, their deeds, uh, they may not sense that they're in a battle because they're not a threat to the purposes of Satan. And it's only when we are committed to the things of God, then we get Satan's attention. So I think a lot of number of believers are living a way that Satan says, I don't need to invest my my limits. God is without limitation. One of the ways we speak of him in Judaism is end self, without end, or lelo hagbalot, without limitation. Satan's limited. He has to strategize. So he is going to put his effort, the limitations that he has, on what he thinks is best. And it may be that there's a believer there because they're not serving God. They're not interested in the purposes of God. Satan just kind of leads them alone because They're already an unwilling vessel of the enemy. Let's talk some more about the testimony because you're indicating here that the testimony of a believer is a spiritual weapon. Sometimes we think of the testimony as what happened to me sometimes many years ago when I had an encounter with Christ and came to him was the time when I first believed, and that is what my testimony is. What you're saying enlarges that a whole lot because what you're saying is the very words that I might speak today are a part of my testimony, and when I I speak, 
then I'm actually engaged in a testimony about God and his interaction with me and his uh, intervention in the issues of my own life. So the testimony today actually is just as powerful as maybe the story I tell when I first got converted. Well, I think of it, you know, the scripture says that Messiah's a, a groom, we're the bride. So I can tell you the story of how I got married. I can tell you about our wedding. But that says very little about our marriage. And so the marriage testimony is daily. And we're supposed marriage is something that God uses to manifest his glory. Marriage is a covenant. One of the main purposes of every biblical covenant is an instrument to use by God for his glory. So we have a daily testimony. Every day that we wake up, what are we going to do? to bear witness. You know, it's interesting, if you look at the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, in English we talk about the congregation that came out of of Egypt. And we use the word congregation, but in Hebrew it's the word edah, which is the same word for a witness. So it was a congregation of witnesses, meaning that they were supposed to tell about how they came out, about this deliverance, but they were all supposed to have a lifestyle that testified of the fact that they have a covenantal relationship. So we're not sharing with people this covenantal relationship and the benefits of it and the, the actions that come about because of it each and every day. We're not doing the things that God has saved us to do. So this idea of making this testimony a part of our daily experience Uh, And that, whether we understand all of the theology around it, whether we understand whether the spiritual battle is being hotly fought, uh, if we might not even appreciate that, it is. But what you're saying is the Bible teaches that there is a spiritual battle and it is going on. It is a heavenly battle and we are a part of it because when we share our testimony, we are actually involved in using spiritual weapons in the battle because... The kingdom of God has been announced. The kingdom of God is is here. The kingdom of God is coming. And there is a sense here in which, uh, let me just come to pick up on this idea that we might not, not know what's going on in the spiritual realm, but this idea of a battle between forces of light, forces of darkness, this is happening whether we appreciate it or not. Absolutely. You know, there's two things. There's the testimony of word, speech. But there's also a testimony of behavior. And that's not the battle. That's what the battle is over, whether you have a God-pleasing testimony or not or whether I do. Now, the testimony, though, is going to be manifested by behavior. When we look in the Scripture, and there's a hesitancy today among Christianity. I understand why, but the hesitancy is to speak about works. Now, you and I both know, Paul says over and over, No one is justified. No one is saved because of works. It's what he did for us on the cross, the shedding of his blood. It's a free gift through grace. We know that. But that does not mean that works are not important. And when we look in the book of Revelation, which is a book that is relevant today, it does not speak about the past. It speaks about the future. And when we look there, there's two chapters, chapters two and three, that he speaks to congregations. What's interesting about those churches is that they're all outside of Israel. They're in exile. That's an important concept because exile is for the purpose of bringing us back. 
So it's a story about how we can come back to experience that kingdom, being in God's will. And one of the things that he says over and over to these churches is, I know your deeds, your works. And he's speaking, he's evaluating them. Everything that Messiah is saying has to do with their behavior, their deeds, whether they're pleasing or not. Some congregations are, some are not, some are are struggling in between. But our deeds are important. Does not the scripture say, Messiah speaks and he says, I'm returning soon. That word soon does not mean soon in time, but quickly. Okay. And he says, my reward is with me to render to every man according to his, his testimony, his words, according to it says, his deeds, his works. So it's important. It's not about salvation, the means of it. It's about having been saved. Am I going to do the things that God wants me to? Because that's what serving, that's what worship is. It's just not singing songs. That's important and praising him. But also we praise him by living, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, living a life that's a a well-pleasing offering, a living sacrifice to the Lord. That's behavior. And now we're getting into the battle because Satan hates when we obey God. And sometimes isn't there a risk to think that when we talk about spiritual things, we're thinking of uh, airy-fairy ideas, whereas what you're saying is the spiritual things that are in some people's minds airy-fairy have a manifestation in the present, and that actually comes down to our behavior. Not only our individual behavior, but no doubt the way we coordinate and the way we actually run our family, the way we run our business, the way we might actually participate in the governance of a land, uh, even how we cast our vote. This is a part of the spirituality and so therefore a part of the spiritual battle in the way we live our lives because as you're saying, there's a practical aspect to this that's not airy-fairy. It's practical, down-to-earth, common sense. The way, What we believe affects the way we behave. If you were to ask me, where is ground zero in the spiritual battle, you alluded to it. It's in the family. It's in the home. It's in the marriage. Number one area of attack. And we need to realize that. So let's talk just briefly before we take a break, and we'll open our talkback lines very shortly for listeners to participate. If you're in a family situation now, uh, raising young children, raising teenagers, you recognize that the pressures that are on you as a family are perhaps more intense than they've ever been. We might even talk about whether the battle is intensifying, uh, but let's talk about how you might actually implement a spiritual uh, armor, a spiritual set of weapons into our family so that we protect our marriages, so that we protect our children, teenagers. Where would we start with that, Baruch? Well, every morning and every evening, according to the scripture, we are supposed to do something. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, to teach, he speaks about the commandments generally, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he goes on to say, these commandments which I placed upon your heart, He says, first thing he says to do, teach them diligently to your children. So I would say to your listeners, especially to the fathers, if you are not teaching diligently your children, whether they're three or 10 or or 18, whatever, as long as they're at home, if you're not teaching your children diligently the word of God, having study with them, then you are already seeing that battle not being fought successfully in your home. 
So powerful concepts when we talk about those expressions. Uh, back to Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. Uh, teach these things to your children. You're saying that from that sort of heritage that you're coming from as well, that this ought to be something that we transplant into our Christian experience if it's not already there. That the morning and the evening, that every opportunity we can, that we're actually reinforcing these things with our children. Because if we don't, our children are at risk. It says, speak of them when you sit down and when you rise up, uh, in the morning and in the evening. Now, the rabbis interpret this, and this is an interpretation, but I think that, that it's, it's pretty legitimate. You know, when you, morning, evening, this is when families used to get together. There used to be a breakfast table and a dinner table. Almost, I'll speak about in most cultures, that's almost been destroyed. But it used to be that the father would speak and the conversation was of of significant biblical issues around eating, breakfast, and dinner. That's that's almost non-existent today. And one one short uh, testimony, we know a family, and they are at least on the Sabbath day, beginning Friday night, they get their children together, and their children are not young. They're not four, five, six. They're in their teens and early 20s, and they bring them back, and they have a Sabbath meal where they discuss the, the weekly teachings. If you're going through a weekly reading or you follow the traditions in Judaism for the reading, and they have testified what a difference that has made in their family. It's changed their perspective. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Our special guest is Dr. Baruch Corman, and we're talking about keys to spiritual warfare. You can be part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. You can leave a note on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Baruch, let's talk about some of the other challenges here for the Christian believer when it comes to a spiritual battle. One of those has to be this idea that a battle takes place in the mind. And there are all sorts of things that have shaped us in our upbringing, even things that have shaped us in our Christian experience. How is the mind so important here if we're approaching this idea of a spiritual battle? Well, first of all, we need to have a right perspective. And that perspective never originates with ourselves. If we think that in a natural way, based upon our own intelligence, that we're going to understand what we're talking about, we are already misled. We need to look to God's revelation. Last night, I was sharing from 1 Peter chapter 4, and it talked about Messiah suffering. And he says, as Messiah suffered, 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1, as he suffered in the flesh, so also you, the same mindset. And what's important is the next word. It's a word that speaks about weapons, and it's in a verb sense. So when we understand that we're called to suffer, we don't hear that a lot today. We think we're going to be blessed. We are going to be blessed. God's going to do great things. He's a gracious God, a, a, a God that loves to bestow good things. But we need to realize part of our walk, part of our call is to serve God, which means that we're going to suffer in this body. And therefore, he says, you also think this way, the same mindset. And he says, most translation says arm yourselves, but it's a word to literally weaponize yourself. 
So if we want to have access to the weapons of God, they're spiritual, right? The scripture says our fight is not against flesh and blood. So if we want to have access to what you were speaking about earlier, uh, the armor of God, those those ability to extinguish the fiery darts that the enemy sends against us, we have to have a weapon. And to be weaponized, we have to think right. And that begins with understanding we have a call to suffer in this world. We'll take some calls. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Glynn from Buffalo River in Victoria. Hello, Glynn. Welcome along. Good morning. Glynn, what are your thoughts for our conversation today? Yes, but first I'd like to say to our friend in the side there, Shalom Shanatov. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm not fluent in the Hebrew, but I, I was told by a rabbi once that uh, that would make a, um, a, a Jewish man smile. Right. So <laughs> I, can, I can vouch for the fact that he is smiling right now. That's, that's, well, that's beautiful. Um, but I'd just like to make a, a comment on the, um, uh, on the battle that we're up against. And... When you read scripture right from the get-go, um, who is humanity up against who does Adam meet? The second personality that he comes across is the personality of Satan, whether he was in a snake's form or wherever we want to go um, with this. But the personality of Satan um, was against, Ad- well, humanity, but... Um, humanity that day represented by Adam, and um, yeah, so and uh, and and the Lord said that our battle uh, is is against powers, and uh, uh, and we're told that it's not going to be an easy life. Christianity is not promised to be an easy life. It's uphill and down dale, but thank God He's on on the way with us as we travail. Glenn, you're um, making some good points here, and I think if we were reflecting on this idea that Satan is a person, a personality, and, uh, of course, you're referring to the Garden of Eden and the appearance of the serpent, and a speaking serpent, and that gives people a little bit of a problem too from time to time, but this idea that in Christianity we recognise that there is a person called Satan uh, that he does have some dominion over humanity on the face of the earth. Uh, some people will want to deny his presence, but we're aware that there are teachings in the scriptures about demons and about angels. What's your thoughts for Glenn as he's sharing those things there, uh, Baruch? What are your thoughts? First of all, when we speak about Satan, it's good to realize that, that his name means the adversary. And what he wants to do is to bring adversity into our life. God wants us to have, through his son, a life of abundance. And when we're not pursuing the things of God, we should see that when I say I'm rebelling against God, he wants me to do this, I want to do something else, I choose my way, that's an invitation, an invitation to the enemy to come against us. And the second thing we need to realize is the first thing that Satan did, as Glenn was pointing out in the garden, was to attack what God really said. And Satan's strategy is always to move us away from scriptural truth, to cast doubt upon it, to question it in a way that we ought not. 
and to look at it differently and try to rationally understand it rather than using proper methodology of interpreting the Scripture. He hates the truth of God because in truth there's power, and in truth we have the ability to worship God. Messiah says you have to worship me both in spirit and in truth. Satan hates worship. Thank you so much to Glynn from Buffalo River in Victoria. Let's take another call. Robin is on the line. Hi, Robin. Welcome. Yes, hello. Um, this is an absolutely necessary conversation at the moment, and thank you for um, for this topic because um, it really, really um, worries me. Um, we need to be in absolute daily communion with the Lord um, in conversation with him and one another, but around the scriptures. You know, like this is where... God speaks to us. We need to be discussing them. That, to me, is true fellowship. And it worries me that many Christians think that their Christian life is just to live a moral life, trying to be good like Jesus. That's, that's not going to do it. We, the, the devil's going to see through that, absolutely. Robin, you're talking about a life that is walked hand-in-hand hand with the Creator. And just 30 seconds or so from news, a quick response here from Dr. Baruch. Well, I think I could learn a lot from Robin because what she's sharing is exactly the truth. We need to be focused upon the Word of God. That needs to be a major part of our conversations. And sadly today, instead of studying the Word of God, we oftentimes we see so many churches looking to books, not biblical books, but what man has written as a basis of their study time. Let's take another call. Sam is on the line from Alice Springs. Hello, Sam. Welcome along. Thanks for waiting patiently. Yeah, no worries. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Dr. Baruch. Good morning to you. What are your thoughts, Sam? Oh, look, just what Dr. Baruch was saying about um, the... In the church today, we are willing to talk about things like salvation, but you hear so much less about the fruit that is uh, we should be seeing in our own lives. And I just think that is such a vital point about this, the start of the spiritual battle, you know, is in the fruit in our lives, and specifically in families and the responsibility of fathers, you know, raising up their children. And just great to hear that being spoken of, because you just don't hear enough. Your thoughts for Sam, Baruch? Well, I I concur with his uh, concern about what's going on in churches and Christian fellowships for not emphasizing the fundamentals of our faith and and utilizing what what our Savior said, what the Son of God, what, what Jesus, Yeshua spoke about. He spoke so much about spiritual warfare, about unclean spirits, about the forces of darkness. And if we ignore that or if we think, as the enemy would have us, that, uh, oh, that's for a an ancient society, not us today as modern individuals. We, we don't think that way anymore. That's exactly what the enemy wants to bring about uh, among the believer community today. Sam, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. Just to pick up on a fine point of what Sam's talking about there, when he says that teachers in church, preachers in church, will often talk about salvation, which is by God's grace. And we talked about that in the conversation as we started before the news. There is no doubt from the scriptures that salvation is by God's grace. But that's different from God's favor. When we talk about God's favor, are we talking about here what happens in a spiritual battle, Baruch? Because uh, the favor of God uh, for one who is overcoming and winning the battle may be different to the sort of 
negative that comes when someone is not engaging in the battle and under the pressure of losing the battle and therefore not having the favor of God. If we're talking about the favor of God, is this connected to a spiritual battle? Uh, absolutely. The word favor, oftentimes in Hebrew, it's chen, and it usually relates to a provision. When we find God's favor, we are finding God's provision, and he provides based upon two things. What we need, and the second thing is to accomplish his purposes. So the favor of God relates to his provision so that we can do what God wants us to do. And the battle really is this. Whether we think God is there to help us accomplish our goals, our wants, our dreams, or whether we understand that that's a false teaching. That's exactly how the enemy wants us to think, that God's there for our purposes rather than us by revelation holding fast to his purposes and and living in a way that is in regard to his, what we call in Hebrew, tochnit, his program. So are we on his program or are we fighting to try to get God over to our program? And if, if we are, we're going to be frustrated. We're going to feel that God is distant. And therefore, we're going to move on to, to other pursuits really than, than focusing in on scriptural truth. How profound that you might bring out the idea that our humility is in fact a key to this idea of a spiritual battle because it's not our purposes that we are seeking to fulfill but the purposes of God and in order to actually fulfill the purposes of God it starts with the humbleness of heart which acknowledges that his purposes are more important than ours. Who would have thought humility was actually a spiritual weapon? Moses, he's spoken of as the most humble man. When we get the, the image of the New Testament, it says, let this mind that was in Christ Jesus also be in yours, who humbled himself, humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And what does he tell us? Pick up our cross and follow him. So I really wonder today, I'm not trying to be, be negative, I'm trying to, to exhort is indeed the message, the primary message of some of the the largest, the most influential Christian leaders. Is it about humility for the purpose of hearing from God and getting with God and his program? Or is it something totally different that says that God is, you know, your buddy, your friend, we'll call him daddy. And I think the mindset almost is that he's kind of a we have that expression in where I grew up in America, a sugar daddy, one who just, just provides what, what the children want rather than understanding the holiness. One of the, the false teachings I hear so frequently, and it's, it's based upon people who don't speak Hebrew, but they think they, they know it, the word Abba. And they'll tell you, oh, Abba means daddy. That is not true. The word Abba is Aramaic. It comes from the Hebrew word Av, and the difference is Aramaic puts the definite article, the word the, it's one letter. In Hebrew, it's a hey. In Aramaic, it's the aleph. And in the difference between Hebrew and Aramaic is that the definite article comes at the end of the word, not at the beginning. So Abba doesn't mean daddy. It means the father. It is a term of respect, a term of reverence. And that's what we need to know. And we need to come before God, not in some just casual way that he's my buddy, but with reverence. And I think that's missing today, that people come to churches not with this concept that we're worshiping God with reverence, but we're too casual 
and we're not taking things seriously. We need to be serious because we are in a battle that has eternal consequences. Well, a profound insight about our respect for Almighty God as our Heavenly Father, a respectful way of talking about Him when we use that word Abba, and a powerful concept. Let's take another call. Let's hear from Mary in Walgett in New South Wales. Hello, Mary. Welcome along. Oh, thank you. Mary, what are your thoughts? Um... I'm on, yeah, I've, I've been, um, been reading the Bible and, um, I just, I just starting to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Growing up, I went to a Catholic church and all I've known that, um, Jesus died on the cross. And, um, what happened was then, um, I bought an house back in 1993 and then it burned down in 1996. It was an old house and, I had a new house uh, put here, and then uh, two years, I moved in back in in 2000, and then it was so peaceful in my home, and all of a sudden, I'm um, faced with this bad energy I could feel in my in my home, and and I it kept on attacking us, um, me and my son, and I didn't know what to do. Um, I was praying. I kept on praying, and um, and then I wasn't receiving anything. I just wanted to help, and then I went and I went up to the cemetery, opened this, opened this, get my family there to stop them from hurting me. But then um, it's like nothing, nothing was happening. Because Mary, you're you're not going to the right source. What I would really counsel you to do when you're under spiritual attack. It's good that you prayed. But but take out the book of Psalms, read the book of Psalms, and let the okay. book of Psalms be the the guiding influence of how you pray. Because we just oh, don't want okay. to just open up our, our own thoughts. We want to have God prepare our thoughts. And the book of Psalms are great for that. Utilize that book. It's the prayers of God's people in the past, today, and will continue to be. So utilize the book of Psalms. Mary, while we've got you on the line, let me just pick up on something you raised, this idea of feeling what you described as bad energy. And there'll be those who will say, oh, you're just getting into ghost stories now. And, uh, and I'm, you know, we don't know Mary's background here. And Mary, you might like to let us in on some of your background. Uh, there's a sort of a spirituality about you, as I can hear, as you talked about how you were raised. But there's certainly an idea that there is a spirituality that's going on, the things that we can't see. And uh, some people will say, you know, this is just a ghost story, but you can feel bad energy, and uh, we can interpret that how Mary is describing it. But uh, a lot of people will be able to actually feel that bad energy, but they might not be interpreting it the way we're talking about, angels and demons, the power of God, they battle between light and darkness. They might be thinking about all sorts of other interpretations. How do you get people zeroing in on the idea that God has answers the scriptures true when it describes the way that there's a spiritual battle well we shouldn't have those bad feelings we should have peace contentment and joy and as we studied last night one of the things that's hard for for a secular person and many believers to get their head around is that when I obey and even suffer affliction tribulation for my faith it says with much joy So 
if we're having feelings that, that we sense that are not of God, it's a call that we need to repent, meaning turn. The word repent literally means just turn. We need to turn to God, embrace his truth, and begin to implement his word in our life. And when we do that, we're going to see that it's going to change the, the momentum. Instead of a, a momentum that is negative, Satan is negative. He wants destruction and verse, adversity. We're to see it change to that which represents the character of God. And as our caller said earlier, the fruit of the Spirit, which is joy, peace, kindness, love, those things. So whenever we're having whatever term we put on it, something that's not of God, it's a call to return to him and focus in on what he has called us to do. Good advice. Go to the Psalms, read the Psalms. That actually has a spiritual power because you're actually quoting God's word. Thank you so much to Mary from Walgett. Let's take another call. Jamie is on the line from Allera in Queensland. Hello, Jamie. Welcome. How are you? Very well, Jamie. What are your thoughts? Um, yes, I'm in total agreement about the repentance. Um, obviously, Jesus Christ is our Lord. Um, if I can just quickly write, uh, read a little prayer that uh, the Holy Spirit um, guided me to pray. Yep, let's do it quickly, Jamie. Yep, what, what's yep. the prayer? Father, Father, I ask the lying tongue and the foul-mouth-speaking spirits to be gone from me. I thank you for doing so, Abba, Abba, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Salah. Okay, uh, your thoughts, Baruch, for a simple prayer like that, which actually puts the devil in his place in that a, sense. A wonderful prayer. Prayers don't have to be complicated. They need to be true. And I, and I just want to commend Jamie for coming and wanting to confess. He showed humility. He showed honesty. And he wants God to control his life. That's spiritual maturity. So, so Jamie, we, we want to say to you, may, may God just hear that, which we know he will, respond, which I know he will, and that you'll see the, the outcome of humility and you wanting what God wants for you. Jamie from Allera, thank you so much for your call. Let me just put into a context for people who are perhaps outside of the church. We live in a very secularized type of a society here in Australia. People are trying to downplay the spirituality. And they'd even say that, you know, if you're hearing noises or if you're sensing bad energies, maybe you've got a mental health issue. Let's talk about this for just a few moments because people are trying to describe the way people are sensing the world around them, sensing the spiritual uh, things that are going on in the spiritual realm and trying to turn those into a mental health issue or or there's something strange and not quite right with your thinking. How do you approach those sorts of things, Baruch? Well, I think sometimes we, we hear propaganda because what the, the experts will tell us is that secularism is not growing. You know, it's growing things like yoga and and different forms of meditation and the occult. The occult is growing today. So people are wanting that which is spiritual. They're not wanting to be be secular. Interesting. You know, in the in the in the word of God, the word secular means it comes from the word chiloni, which means empty. People aren't wanting to be empty. They want to be filled with something. They don't want an empty life. They're they're scared of being alone. I read an article, secular publication, 
And, and one of the greatest fears that people have is being alone. They don't want to be secular. They don't want to be empty. The problem is this. We're doing, I'm doing, believers are doing a bad job of introducing and inviting people to be filled with the Spirit of God, filled with God's presence. And because we're not serious about our faith, they're going to other sources, other revelations of people who show commitment. Orthodox Judaism in in Israel, for example, Orthodox Judaism is demanding. It is just, it influences and and involves every aspect of your life. And it's growing today in Judaism or, or in Israel and in other Jewish communities. People are coming back because they're looking for something that's serious. And unfortunately, we're not serious about our faith. We want it to be too easy, too casual. We're, we're limiting. Used to be that churches used to have Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. Most churches have dropped all of that. Orthodox Judaism, you gather three times a day, each day, not just on the Sabbath, but three times a day, every day for worship. And those services are growing. Young people are coming to them because they're looking for something real. And if they don't see commitment, they, they, they reject it. And it's sad that we have a testimony. I'll put myself in that. That doesn't show commitment, doesn't show the seriousness that we should have for the most serious, serious thing in the world. And that is God and his call to obey him. I love what you're talking about. The idea of simply sharing the testimony, which is more than just that new birth experience, but the things that are happening today. If we don't speak up, if we don't talk about God and his engagement in our life, then we're actually not leading in the way that we need to as Christian believers. As you say, when we're not speaking, people are looking for the answers somewhere else. Let me ask you, though, because one of the things that we did mention a little earlier was this idea of suffering. And if you do speak up, uh, if you are engaged in a spiritual battle, you'll be inclined to experience some level of suffering. Because we don't like suffering, let me just uh, hopefully reflect what I think a lot of people will think. We don't like suffering, so therefore we take a defensive position. What about this idea, Baruch, whether we are going to be defensive as believers or whether we need to be a little more aggressive in the way that we talk about our faith and push our way forward and be a little bit more assertive in the way that we are Christian believers. What are your thoughts here? Well, if we're going to show people that we are are truly committed, we're not going to be serious. And in the same way that if I knew someone was, was doing something hard, harmful to their physical well-being, I would say something. If they're walking out in the street not realizing, as I did not too many days ago, you, know, you guys drive on the wrong side of the road, <laughs> yes. okay, and someone said, yelled, I was so thankful he did because I wasn't paying attention. I was going through a habit. So he acted in order to, to, to put me on the right track. If someone's on the wrong spiritual track, we need to yell out. We need to get involved. We need to be understanding that this is a matter of eternity eternal life or eternal eternal death. So we're not showing how serious this issue is, and I think that harms drastically our testimony to others. Time to speak up because that in itself is spiritual warfare. Let's hear another call. Uh, Wayne is on the line from Mackay. Hi, Wayne. Welcome. Yeah, how are you, mate? Good, Wayne. Need um, to be quick. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, no worries, mate. Uh, mate, I, I work in a place where I'm pretty well the only Christian out there as far as I know in where I work. I work six months on, six months off. Um, and, and like, I, I can go to church about once a month, but this is only a season, six months on, six months off I work. Um, a lot of spiritual activity goes on out and out in them places there. And really, the thing that I'm doing is I'll act with the fruits of the Spirit, you know, um, self-control, kindness, and, and, and everything there. What's your thoughts there? And, and like, God, God can be everywhere. The devil can only be in one place at a time, as far as I know. Why can't God pull the, pull the enemy up? I know that we've got to do our part, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. The, you know, like he mentioned before too, the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony overcomes the power of the enemy. Wayne, I think what you're saying, and I've got to cut in because we are running very short of time, this idea that if you live your life according to these virtues and values that come from Christ, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, that in itself, is that a spiritual weapon? Is that a spiritual warfare position? And uh, Baruch, your thoughts for Wayne? Well, I would say to Wayne, I understand that you have a, a difficult situation with work and availability, but, but what's your ministry? What are you doing? How, when God called Israel, he called Israel and equipped Israel to be a blessing. He's done that same thing for you. So how are you blessing others? And I assure you that when you begin to look for ways, opportunities to be a blessing to others, you're going to see that you're going to grow spiritually and you're going to manifest that fruit of the Spirit, that signs of a healthy, a growing, a maturing Son of God. Wayne from Mackay, thank you so much for your input. We will need to put a line under those calls. Thanks for everyone who's been trying to get through, and I know not everybody was able to get through today, but uh, wonderful to hear from those listeners and great responses from Dr. Baruch Corman. Uh, let me just finish off by mentioning the name of your television program, which is called Love Israel, and that can be seen on Daystar TV, God TV. Uh, you'll be able to see Dr. Baruch Corman and uh, experience some more of his deep teaching on some of these wonderful issues. He has a long association with Derek Prince Ministries, uh, brought to Australia for a conference this weekend by CVM Group. It's a business based in Sydney doing some wonderful things in the marketplace and going on to support their way of uh, experiencing uh, a way of uh, moving the gospel forward uh, from a business position. A great testimony there. Let me point people to the website derekprince.com.au where you can find details about the conference that's on this weekend that Dr. Baruch Corman is speaking at. It'll be at Ridges Hotel. And for Sydney Siders, 389 Pitt Street in Sydney. It starts at 9am on Saturday. Uh, Dr. Baruch Corman, uh, thank you so much for taking some uh, time to share your thoughts and to share your heart with our listeners today on 2020. Well, our privilege to, to be here. We're grateful to CVM Group, who also sponsors our television on Australia Christian Television, and our website where we have over 500 video teachings, loveisrael.org. Loveisrael.org. You should visit that website and uh, check out some more of this great teaching from Dr. Baruch Cormitt. Thanks for being with us. All the best for the remainder of your stay in Australia. Thank you, sir. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. 
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.